Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where this is the way. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beej. I have spoken. You have spoken. Uh, today, we're talking about the Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian, because we're both getting hyped for The Mandalorian Season 2, and I watched this all right when it came out. It's like the behind-the-scenes making of um, series of The Mandalorian, and BJ watched a little bit, and I told him, you have to go watch this one episode so we can <laughs> talk about it, and that's kind of where we are, right? Yeah, this series is fantastic. It's something that you absolutely need to watch after the show. That yes. this isn't a get excited about the Mandalorian kind of thing where some of the behind the scenes stuff is. No, this is something that you need to watch after because it's got spoilers from basically the moment it starts. But the it's just the creators sitting around talking about it and explaining basically every last bit of the creation of the the series from its conception and just all the different elements of it and it is fascinating to see these people around a table yeah it's really cool i mean the episodes are about like different instead of following a different um time when they're recording right it's not like sequential it's more about the subject of behind the mm -hmm. scenes and i think it's really well done because of that it it makes it more interesting like each episode is more focused so there's an episode on directors there's one on like the legacy of star wars there's one that's all about the cast there's one that's um all about like practical effects and how they work those in there's one that's about their process and their workflows which i could geek out about but i don't know <laughs> if anybody else is quite as interested as i am but that's just because that's the world i came from right um, they do an entire episode just about the score and the music one all about connections with other places in star wars and the greater cultural context and then the one that I really wanted to talk about that I was like, please, if I know you've watched a couple, but please go watch technology so we can talk about it. And that one was just it blew me away. It's fantastic that we've started rewatching The Mandalorian to get up to the new season that's coming out on Friday, but we hadn't watched all of these. So when we started watching, uh, we saw Directors and Technology were the two that uh, Jennifer and I have seen. And I look forward to watching Practical Effects. Uh, I didn't have time last night to sit and watch it, but that one is uh, on my list of things I need to watch next. Because like you said, these aren't chronological in any way. You can pretty much pick up what wherever and watch just the subjects that you like and as a non-video guy it's still fascinating to see what they're doing and ju it's just amazing and even if you've read articles talking about what they do seeing it having the video show you exactly how this technology is used is mind-blowing like I still have a hard time wrapping my mind about what it's like to be on set yeah, like the technology, they kind of have John Favreau talk about how um, his last couple movies that he did, um, and then all the way back to like Iron Man, and how the advancement of CG technology, and he always wanted to be pushing it because it felt like there was something else there that they were trying to get towards. And um, the culmination, and this is what they spend most of the technology episode focusing on, is this new technology that they made um, in conjunction with Unreal Engine that's called the volume. And so it's like they basically Disney, or I should say ILM, ILM and Unreal um, made this new technology called the volume. And it's super cool. I also think that watching that one, it made me think that we are watching TV and filmmaking be redefined like right in front of us because yeah. this is going to change how TV and film is made in the future. I'm 100% certain of that because I come from that world. And as soon as I saw it, I understood all the implications. And I'm like, oh, 
this is groundbreaking and there's no way that we don't do this like just from now on because it makes so much sense well it's also cool to me that this is star wars because star wars paved the way on so much new technology in film and it's like whether or not you like lucas's storytelling um and that's very debatable. Was he a good storyteller? I don't know. Was he a good director? Uh, you know, debatable, but probably um, in certain ways. But was he a pioneer of technology? And did he pave the way in filmmaking? 100% without a doubt. That is his greatest legacy. And a lot of people just say his legacy is Star Wars. But really, it's the technology that he had to invent to get Star Wars to become what it was. And it's so cool to me that we're seeing this brand new technology called the volume that we're going to talk about what that is here in a second. But it's it's groundbreaking and it's with Star Wars again. And that just makes me happy. And it's really amazing to me as a as a non-video guy, but as a Star Wars guy who I've seen my entire life, how Lucas, like you said, it's not so much Star Wars, it's Lucas himself, has changed the way that films are being made. That that Star Wars itself, like in 1977, changed the way that sci-fi movies and these kinds of effects were able to be done. In 1999, when The Phantom Menace released, it was the first all-digitally produced movie that had ever been made, feature film that had ever been done. Uh, and on top of having the... Uh, practical effects on top of the CGI. Uh, he was doing things with it and coming right up to the edge of what the volume is now uh, back then. And seeing it now, it's kind of like looking at this. Watching The Mandalorian is like looking at the all of the extended edition Lord of the Rings movies, seeing what Peter Jackson did right there and uh, how it went. You can see how that changed the way people were making those kinds of epic movies that's what this is doing for immersive television uh and and where you can i don't even know how to how to describe it it's because of the way that this technology works and uh the using a game engine you can see all this stuff in real time uh it's it's just astonishing to me yeah and so what the volume is is basically um it's a set that they made and it's on a soundstage, but it's really big in the middle, like not not crazy big, but like really big for a soundstage. Um, and around all of the outside is basically um, a dome, for lack of a better word. It's not quite that. It's more like kind of a circle on the edges and then a big flat part on the top. But you're kind of surrounded by a dome of LCD monitors that just cover up your entire view. So any direction that you look, you are surrounded by these gigantic like you know wall-sized lcd monitors and it pairs that with the unreal engine so that they can render things in real time and then it pairs the unreal engine that's um generating the graphics with the camera and it's tracking where the camera is in 3d space so using like basically vr technology it's vr technology it showed him yep. with i think a vive on his head uh it may have been an oculus but the handsets looked like a vive to me uh seeing what like it was in real time with a vr headset like it's insane yeah, so they basically use VR technology to track where the camera is looking, and then they make sure that whatever is, like, the direction that the camera is facing, that part that's being displayed on the LCD screen behind it is always perfectly parallaxed to the camera. So you can move any direction with the camera, and it always looks correct, and, like, in real time, 
it is rendering the background for you. And it completely replaces the need for green screen and blue screen because you're basically just doing it all on set and capturing it all in camera. Because the way that you typically would have to do this is you would shoot on a green screen set or you'd have to go out on location somewhere. But the comparable technology is green screen or a blue screen set where the whole background is a very evenly lit green screen or blue screen. You shoot the whole scene. You don't really know what the background is going to look like while you're on set. I mean, you have previs and you have ideas, but then you take it into post and there's a whole different team that brings in the background by knocking out the green or the blue, and then they replace it with something digital. And this just does it all in real time with basically, like you said, a video game engine. And that is so... It, it's just amazing that they've gotten to this point, and I would love to step onto one of these sets because it's just incredible. They were talking, Carl Weathers was talking about the last scene in The Mandalorian and how it was one of the most unreal, well, not the last scene, but the last episode of The Mandalorian where they're on a boat moving through a tunnel. I'm not going to say any more than that because of uh, spoilers, but he said that it was like being there, that it was the first time in his acting career, and he's been doing it for, what, 40 years now, uh, that he wasn't pretending. He was actually trying to stay in the boat because everything was moving around him and it was it was really fun to watch and see the wonder in these actors eyes and these creators in being able to basically create whatever they wanted whenever they wanted uh, they said that they could change scenes and adjust backdrops in 30 minutes which in terms of video production is instant like you could not do that with green screen or blue screen having to go back and forth with your visual effects folks and being able to see it through vr in the unreal engine uh the camera itself if you're having a hard time visualizing this just think about whatever is in the frame of the camera that's what you're looking at on screen in a video game so as it's rendering as you moving the camera around in a game that's how they're rendering the backdrop for the mandalorian um and the reason that this is so amazing is that that's such high uh, okay it's such high quality production and uh uh certain not servers um well i mean it's, it's a high quality rendering to the point rendering. where yeah like the fidelity is there so that you don't have to do it in post you can do it in real time and like that's that's kind of the piece that they were always missing you know and it's lighting they said that was the big thing you can actually light things the way that they are meant to be which if you follow the game engines and what's going to be different about the ps5 than the ps4 and the generation jump and you hear the term ray tracing one of the things that that is is you don't have to build in textures and say where the light is coming from and have a single this is what shadows are going to look like here no matter what that those are going to be rendered in real time along with the reflections uh, which isn't possible right now on the current generation and that's what this technology does for film as well they would have to say oh if there is a if the sun is behind them and that's on a blue screen they're going to have to artificially project a shadow if that shadow doesn't line up then they have to adjust that in post where now 
that sun is wherever they want it to be. And it can be overhead because they have these LED screens directly overhead. And it's it's just insane to think about this is the first time an actor has been able to actually be on one of these fantasy sets. That theater actors have it kind of like that, where you're surrounded by whatever set you're in. Like it has to be built for you uh, if you're not going with a minimal with a minimal uh, staging, but in terms of screen actors, that's not cost effective unless you're, and even then you'd have to be on location, but this one like lets you travel down a river of lava, which you could never do in real life, but you can see yourself doing that in real time because of this technology with the volume, which I still don't know why it's called that. Like, is that a particular thing in video production? Because it seems weird for it to be called the volume, and it's a giant bubble of LED screens. No, I think it's just a cool technology name that they gave it when they were branding it. Okay. I didn't know. Like, that was a thing, being non-video. Like, that's not the background I have. That I know terms. I know things like previs and all the stuff that they were throwing around. But when they just called it the volume, it was like, huh, I don't know if that means something or if that was just like their, their, this is new technology. This is what we're calling it. Yeah, well, and what you were talking about with lighting, I think that is the biggest implication here that people overlook. Because when you're actually on a set... Um, if you're, if you're outside, it's not true, but if you're on a set, um, the thing that takes more time than anything else is lighting, like lighting is a whole department on its own. You know, if you ever hear about grips or anything in the grip department, that's all lighting basically. And it's not only lighting, but it's also shadows, which is something that a lot of people don't think of. You don't just blast your subjects with light. You actually have to think about where are my natural light sources? Or if you're trying to mimic outside, like you said, where's the sun? Where are the shadows that get cast from the sun? How do you keep it all consistent from shot to shot? Um, and all of those implications. And lighting just takes, it feels like forever. Like I can't tell you how many sets I've been on where you're just waiting for someone to tweak the light a little bit and then you test it and then no, that wasn't quite right. Let's tweak mm -hmm. it a little bit more. And that's very typical. Like you're almost always, once everybody else is kind of set up for the day, you're almost always waiting for lighting more than you're waiting for anything else. And um, this almost completely gets rid of it because it recreates what you get when you're outside. If you're outside and you're using natural light, all of the light in the shadows just work because it's what you would expect. So when you're doing lighting, the only thing, and I'm, I'm simplifying it a little bit because grip and lighting and like that's a whole skill set. It's an entire career if you want it to be. But just for sake of simplicity, talking about this, when you're outside, you basically just need a couple, like maybe you're doing a little bit of bounce. Maybe you're doing a little bit of flagging. So bounce would be like kind of gentle reflecting of natural mm -hmm. light um, to highlight areas. And then flagging would be like artificially creating shadows a little bit. But you just kind of do a little bit and then you run with it. Um, whereas when you're on a set, you kind of have to hand tweak everything. And there's way more lights than you would ever suspect that there are when you're actually on a soundstage. And so this makes it because they can recreate the natural light. All you really need are like a little bit of bounce and maybe a little bit of flagging and you're good to go for your scene. And one of the things that they talked about was there was no way that they could have done the Mandalorian's costume the way that it is because it's all basically like it's not chrome, but it's like shiny silver. Yep. Um, so it's close to chrome. It has so many sh like it picks up 
all of the reflections from all around him all of the time. And like trying to do that in post would be next to impossible or it would be just astronomical on your budget. And when you have the volume, you just put the actor there in the costume and it just does it on its own. Like it just works. And if you want to see what that would look like in, in if you tried to add that reflection to it, go look at the Phantom Menace and look at the princesses or the queen's uh, star starliner, the one that's all chrome, or look at Captain Phasma. They don't look like the Mandalorian, and that's because those reflections are not all real. And the one in Phantom Menace, obviously, is you know twenty one years old now, so it's it's going to be way worse. But even looking at phasma it's not what the mandalorian is like her chrome is duller and has a slightly cgi look to it which you never see in the mandalorian because of the technology that they're using that's not blue screen yeah it's i don't know it's just so cool and then like the other thing you mentioned is um you can change your location instantly that hasn't ever existed before ever like ever like to just (laughs) be able to change your set completely in 15 or 30 minutes that is nothing that that's like you said it is basically instant in terms of like a film or a video production um they talked about how when they were doing some pickup shots where they didn't necessarily like have actors on set they were just doing pickups um a couple of the directors went in one day and they would just like shoot a couple minutes of this thing and then be like okay switch it to the next set and then they would be like, okay, we'll shoot a couple minutes of this. And they were literally just doing pickup shots one after another in like 10 or 15 different locations over the course of just a couple hours. And I, that it's just a thing that's never been done before. Um, so yeah, all of this, all of this just completely blew me away. And I just think that the volume is like the coolest technology. I don't know. I, there's no way I see a future where this doesn't start getting used for not only other like kind of um high-end premiere tv like the mandalorian um but you know anything coming out in the future from hbo or disney plus or any of the marvel shows or you know the next big thing like game of thrones was there's no reason that all of them wouldn't use the volume because it's so much more cost effective and there's so many benefits to it and using a game engine like this is insane to me like i'd never thought about it before this and it it never even clicked until like i'd read an article that they were making all of the backgrounds in the unreal engine and i'm like yeah of course they are that's absolutely why they would be doing like that's a brilliant idea and i thought they were doing it in post i thought they were just making these uh these levels in unreal and then taking the footage and putting it on uh on top of that in the level and superimposing it but no they're actually filming it and it's just nuts what really got me about the screens that they're using are that they're borderless that they've managed to completely make this seamless where you don't see all of the individual screens which is obviously it's disney money that does that but it's star wars money that does that but i've never seen that before it it's crazy well and they have a little bit of seams between um the screens that are kind of like surrounding you if you look at eye right. view and the screen that hangs down from above from the ceiling a, yeah there's a yeah there's a little bit there but i like that would be so easy to replace in post because you have all of that data like you've already ha- made all of these scenes and rendered them like it, it would be no effort at all to just oh yeah let me just fill that in in post like that's super quick um 
but yeah, I mean, this is, it's not even just TV. Like they're going to do movies on this. There's no way they don't do movies on this. And I would just suspect that we see more and more of this and less and less green and blue screen over time. So explain to me something just on that right there, that not being a a video guy, like I completely understand what the blue and green screen are. I've used them, that kind of thing. But I don't understand the difference in a blue screen versus a green screen. Um, You basically just go based on what you're shooting. So if you have stuff that has green in it in the foreground, you're going to use blue. And if you have a lot of blue in the foreground, you're going to use green. The reason is because basically all color data in video and film production is captured in RGB, red, green, blue. And you can never use oh. red because there's so much red in the human skin tone that it just doesn't work. So green and blue are your two options. And then you just, they're honestly totally swappable. It just depends on like what the other objects are in the scene. That makes sense. I wasn't even thinking about it being RGB. Like that didn't even cross my mind in terms of the reasoning behind those two particular colors. But of course it is. So, yep. yep. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious because I knew you would know the answer to that. And I've just not bothered to look it up. I'm like, I wonder why they use those two colors. So Yeah, it makes it I easier gotcha. to isolate a color channel, essentially. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um. So... I think generally we're hyped for the Mandalorian season two. I feel like I could go on about their uh, their workflows and their pipelines and stuff, but that's I maybe for another time. If you guys actually want to hear about that, you can send it. It's one of our questions for the Q and A episode this year, um, which probably gets us into the fact that we are part of a network. We have podcasts, we have streamers, we have the Geekery blog. All that and more at geek2geekmedia.com, or you can go to geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe to get it sent to you. Um, we also have a Patreon and a digital magazine. What's the newest with that? Uh, we published the Halloween issue of Press Start yesterday of this, as of this recording. Uh, it is all about spooky games and not-so-spooky games, so you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash geek2geekcast and get all of the back issues, uh, read uh, all of these wonderful uh, magazines that our staff is putting out. Like It is, it is really good stuff, and uh, I always say that it is a video game about the gamers more than the video games of yeah video game magazine about the gamers more than the video games so yeah. uh it's good stuff y'all y'all check it out yeah and like i said we have a q a episode coming up we always do one around thanksgiving as long as we get enough questions we have not gotten enough questions yet so if you have questions about anything please send um your q a questions and if we get enough we will do a q a episode right around thanksgiving and answer whatever if you want to hear me talk about workflows and pipelines in video production i can do that um <laughs> and with that it brings us to weekly geekery where we share what we've been geeking out about this week what have you been up to well, I've been playing a lot of World of Warcraft. Like I mentioned last week, uh, that was uh, probably my big thing. I have finally, finally unlocked the allied races that I wanted to uh, in the game by doing specific achievements and going through uh, various quests. And they removed any reputation and faction requirements for, well, not faction, but reputation requirements. So you have to, don't have to grind those up anymore. So you just have to fill uh, fulfill these story and achievement 
requirements. So I spent the last uh, little bit working on the Kultir and humans and the uh, Void Elves, which are uh, really awesome. And so I've got uh, got those I'm excited about. I'm leveling up a Warlock, and uh, I think some of us are going to be playing on the Argent Dawn server on Alliance side uh, with each other. And uh, Demai has uh, got us in his guild, which are awesome folks. They got me uh, one of my end of expansion mounts last time. I got one to say last year but it's not last year it was last uh, expansion and uh so i'm having a lot of fun with that i'm finished up season one of sabrina oh cool uh it's really really good like it gets dark by the end of it like i did not like i'd mentioned last week where it got dark it got even darker like it is still one of those that has this aesthetic of just a fun halloween show to me like that's what it feels like and then it does things that i'm like oh i did not expect seeing that and i'm not going to say anything for spoilers for people out there who like that kind of thing but watching the chilling adventures of sabrina is absolutely worth it if you're into the occult and uh, dark horror stories like that um it's not scary horror it's just horror themed and then austin uh has got me really super mega interested in dungeons and dragons again um i am crazy excited about this uh he his birthday's coming up uh next week and so he's been wanting to uh do a dungeons and dragons campaign so we're gonna get on zoom uh and play D with our wives uh it's gonna be jennifer's first time trying it as well uh she's gonna give it a real shot and uh i'm really excited to do this i'm working on a birthday campaign uh with boats and sea hags uh, for him because he loves stuff like that and uh he was like you know more about the rules than i I do so you you run this and I'm excited because I had gotten into D&D a couple of years ago uh, maybe it was a year ago and really liked playing the Adventurers League but I I kind of fell off of it because I didn't really click with I liked the people that were there uh, like I've said before but it wasn't just didn't ever feel like you know oh I'm just gonna run and go do this like I'm we're hanging out um, but like it did with the board game group that I joined right before the COVID-19 pandemic hit. So, uh, but now I'm like, oh yeah, this is why I love Dungeons and Dragons. So I've been working on the, uh, the module for that and putting it together. I'm crazy excited. I've even bought a couple more books that I've got shipped here. I'm getting shipped here, uh, that I got the notification while we were podcasting, my phone dinged. And I saw that my ghosts of salt marsh source book had, had shipped. So I've got all of my ghoulies and ghosties for the ocean coming in, uh, maybe tomorrow. So I'm, I'm excited to, to actually play this game. That's that really I, cool. I sit and look and read and watch it uh, and see stuff and read about it, uh, but don't get a chance to play very often. So hopefully some of this will come up and uh, and get to play it. And just speaking of that, talking about the network earlier, we've got a, a live play coming up soon uh, that uh, some people are putting together. And y'all always need to go listen to Bama Shocks on his Twitch stream. Uh, he does King of the Heel, which is a D&D live play. Uh, so y'all should definitely check those out if that's your thing too that's really cool i i wasn't gonna talk about it this week but it fits too nicely with what you were just talking about so i started playing a dungeons and dragons board game with my kids and it's one that just came out like it just came out in the last uh couple weeks here it's called dungeons and dragons adventure begins a cooperative board game 
Um, it huh. is really cool. It's super fun. It's this kind of. <laughs> I always felt like the starter set of D and D and like the D and D essentials kit. They were like one step too advanced to get me and my kids into D and D because I had never DM'd and they had never played, and it's just like one step too far. And okay. this board game. Um, it's this amazing intro to some of the core thinking of Dungeons and Dragons without having to go all the way to playing the core game. And it goes out of its way to encourage you to like narrate and describe things. And um, you basically like get all of these options. Like it's not a ton. It's like maybe um, a couple choices for each piece of what essentially becomes like a kind of makeshift character sheet for you. Um, it's not super customizable, but that's good because it makes it fast. But it is modular, so it's kind of customizable. So you pick like your character's look. You pick your character's kind of like background, and then you pick like their core abilities. And Every character has like a standard weapon attack that you can just roll a dice to do, um, or they have their own style of improv attack where if you describe it, then you roll a dice and it get, you have the chance to do much better in one way or another. Um, so like you can basically crit or like just do more damage or extra effects if you go out of your way to describe things. And it gives you a lot of like things in front of you that you can use as prompts to build off of while you're trying to like think of something clever or trying to describe things so like they have custom backpacks and at the beginning it says just hey look through all the backpacks and grab a pack that looks interesting to you um it's stuff like that this is fantastic like this is exactly what i need to get jennifer into this and she has only seen me play D in the massive like six hour four to six hour dungeon the dragons campaigns with people who have known how to do it and you know you get there at six o'clock in, in the evening you don't actually start playing until nine and then it takes five hours after that and so that's all she's ever experienced with dungeon the dragons so she's not a fan and so this is perfect especially since it's two to four players um yeah. i ordered this while you were talking and listening <laughs> to you because i'm like oh my god this sounds absolutely perfect um and this should be in before we do the uh the austin the austin's dungeons and dragons party uh, get it party because it's it's a party yeah, and it's a I get party it. um but <laughs> but i'm excited for this when you say this um because it has the miniatures and it simplifies for two people. Like it's not me standing there, like telling a story and my wife staring at me. It's actually a board game of doing stuff. And everybody gets to be DM and players. And I think that's a key thing because it is, it gives you, it gives everybody a turn to experience both sides of it. Um, and it does a really good job of keeping the feel of D and D, even though I haven't played that much D and D I've listened to a ton of live plays. I know the core feeling of it um it does a lot to keep that feel so there are like there's a 20-sided dice in the game and there's also a 10-sided dice in the game those are literally the only two dice the 10-sided one is for the dm role the 20-sided one is if you're a player and um you have minifigs so if that's something you're into each of the characters gets one and you all take turns being the dm so there's a bunch of boards that you work your way through they're very simple boards and each one has its own set of um basically encounter cards and so you like load you shuffle these encounter cards you load them into like there's this little dm i don't even know what to call it but it's like a little dm base station thing it's really small but it's like perfect for what it is um it's just big enough to store this like mini deck of cards and so then whoever's turn it is to be the 
DM, you hand that to them, they draw the card off the top, and then there's art on one side, so you face that towards the players, and it kind of locks into your little DM stand, and then the back of it faces you, and it has whatever the encounter is. And some of the encounters encourage you to, like, be creative or be part of a story or, like, you know, um, do a role of some kind to succeed or not, and some of them are fights. And whoever's the DM is in charge of, like, that encounter, but they're also the player. And because that DM role rotates between all the players, you never feel like you're stuck in a role, but you always feel like you're getting to experience all the parts of the game. That's it just sounds fantastic. Like it sounds perfect. Like even like you said, the starter kit is just one level too too high. Yes. Like for people who really come into it uh, and don't have any kind of experience with it. The essentials kit that they put out is kind of a step above that. And it's uh, it's basically you got starter kit, which is 1.0, uh, and then the essentials kit, which is 1.5 before two is just buying the game, the game books and playing. But the essentials kit, uh, I bought it this last week, and it comes with two player rules where they introduce sidekicks as part of the game, where they're basically small NPCs C cards, which you can use as a DM or as a player to kind of have uh, actually complete the adventures, but it's still one person DMing for another while both of you either control those characters or one of you does. And so this gets around that. Like it actually sets up how you can move back and forth and it becomes more of a collaborative thing than uh, just one person telling another one. Uh, telling another person a story and them reacting to it. And you're trying to interact like I am excited to get this in. Like, I am so glad that y'all have been playing this. Uh, Do your kids like it? No, they like it a lot. So I played with both the kids. We played a three player game. We had a blast. Um, I think my wife is interested enough that we could try the four of us sometime soon. But one of the best things for me coming out of it was that even though all three of us got a chance to be the DM, my kids really liked it when I DM'd because, like, I this when I'm a DM, I want to make it fun and I want to make it more descriptive and not so much about the mechanics because, like, I don't know. I've, I always right. feel like if you want a tactical strategy game, like, there are those out there. DM is more about storytelling or Dungeons and Dragons is more about storytelling. So I really tried to describe a lot when we were doing the encounters and especially, like, the fighting ones, like the, the actual, you know, battles. And there were enough of those that they really enjoyed when I was describing it that I had them laughing or I had them like surprised or I really made them do creative thinking that when we got to the last boss, it wasn't even my turn. And my kids were like, you should DM because we want you to do this. And that gave me such like, it gave me such an ego boost. It made me feel like I could actually DM a real D and D game at some point. And I think that's the entire point of this board game is to like get you to the point where you feel comfortable enough, like maybe I'm ready for the next step. And I think if we play this game enough, I might finally get there and I might pull the trigger and actually playing Dungeons and Dragons for real. Like, I would love to hear you talk about that, especially especially with just the family games. Like, those kind of things end up being the most fun sometimes of just the people you have around and want to do this. And that's why I love the idea of this, because I love co-op games, and I love actually being able to play games with Jennifer. And a lot of times, it's hard to find a good two-player game that has meat to it, and this one might. Like, this one might be what we uh, what we need to be able to play th- play through so this is fantastic like i am i'm am so excited to know that this exists 
Yeah, I highly recommend it. So I think it's probably one of the best board games I've played all year. And again, if you didn't catch it up front, it's called Dungeons and Dragons Adventure Begins, a cooperative board game. It's kind of a mouthful, but you can find it out there. It's very easy to find. It's um, about $25 on oh yeah, Amazon right now. It's very affordable. That's why I went ahead and just bit the bullet while you were describing it. I looked it up and like, yeah, for $25, this is absolutely something that that I can do. It's not like you're investing uh, 50 or 60 bucks in something that you might like $25 is within that range of okay I can I can probably swing that uh and if I don't like it know somebody who might want to buy it off of me yeah that's exactly how I felt too um so outside of the D&D board game that I played um I wanted to follow up on Genshin Impact since we talked about that a lot last week right I finally, after 60 plus hours, hit the slowdown that some of my friends were talking about. Mm. So it happened to me at about adventure rank 25 or 26, which again, was really far into the game for me. Like I got so much out of this game for free, but I feel like now I'm playing, it kind of wound down to about an hour a day. And now I'm at like half an hour a day where there's only so much I can do to advance with like my daily set of resin before I just have to wait for it to recharge. And you can kind of pay your way to get more resin, but it's such a diminishing return that I still don't feel incentivized to do that. So I really hope that they speed up some of the like leveling and advancement once they roll out the next new area, because I still, I love the story every time I unlock more of the story, but the story is kind of gated behind my adventure rank. So that's where I'm at now. It's this like slow little bit of progress every day. And then whenever I get to a new adventure rank that actually unlocks some of the core story, I'll sit down for like an hour or two and play through that story chunk because I really enjoy it. Oh, that that makes a lot of sense. Like, it's not something that I've got even gone back to this week after us talking, talking about it. But I've seen a lot more people talking about it. So but I'm, I hate it that you've hit that slowdown. Yeah. And the thing is, if they're really planning on adding like seven more areas, they have to do something to speed up that once they have more content. I wonder mm-hmm. if it happened where it did right now because there's only two areas um i can't imagine they roll out a third area and they don't give you a little bit of faster leveling in this section that i'm in right now because they're going to want to encourage people to get to the new content so again i'm fine just playing a little bit every day and then whenever the next area comes out we'll see where they land as a developer hopefully they make good decisions there i hope so i really really do but again, keep in mind, this is after like 60 hours. So like I got yeah. I got more than my I didn't pay anything for it. Like I got so much out of that game. Um, the other thing that I've been doing this week is my son and I kind of worked back on a Fortnite kick just this last week or yeah. so. So the Fortnite Marvel season is on week nine now out of I think it's either 10 or 11. There's not a whole lot left. Um, and my son and I like we completed as much as you can complete um, a battle pass. So I've never completed a battle pass in any game ever within like the season before the season ran out of content. But my son and I, we hit level 100 because we're sharing an account. And so by both of us playing and kind of jumping back and forth, we played enough to get to the end of it. So we unlocked all the Marvel characters. We did all of the awakening challenges for the characters, which gets you their like actual superpower skin. Um, so it's stuff like you unlock Tony Stark, but then you have to do all the awakening challenges to actually get the Iron Man suit, stuff like that. Um, we did all of that. And at this point, both of us are still kind of chasing things for fun because there are still some alternate skins for the Marvel characters that you have to go out of your way to do different challenges for. And so we're kind yeah. of picking away towards that. But the thing that we're really after right now that we didn't realize is that they 
did this thing where after you hit battle pass level 100 it doesn't just end they added these foil skins to it like a comic like comic foil covers yeah. or whatever i had and no so, idea about this until you texted me about it i had no idea either but we got to the end and it's like okay now you can start working on your silver foil skins instead of getting a little bit of dopamine hit every level when you get like a little thing um basically every five levels you'll just unlock another foil skin and so we really wanted to get Groot because the Groot foil skin is just like this silver chrome shiny Groot and it's just hilarious. And both of us were like, yes, we have to have that. And we got that the other night and now I'm kind of looking at like, well, if I push another 10 or 15 levels, I can get the Wolverine one and that one looks really cool too. So <laughs> even though we beat the battle pass, I'm still playing and it's because they've given us so much to do this season. Like, I can't believe how much better this Marvel season is compared to the seasons, which I played probably two, three, maybe three of in chapter one of Fortnite. So the yeah. changes that they've made between chapter one and chapter two for seasons, it's just like night and day. Like, they change things so much faster. They add things so much faster there's so much more to do in the battle pass it's not just the weekly challenges it's the weekly challenges plus the daily challenges plus all of these awakening challenges plus there was a side set of wolverine challenges plus now there's alternate skin challenges plus they have different like custom game modes every week like there's always a new thing and when i was playing fortnite chapter one i liked it but i would stall out because i'd be like oh, i'm kind of doing the same thing over and over they do enough week to week now that it's hooked me for this entire season. And I don't know if that'll be true once it's not Marvel anymore, once it's whatever the next season is. But I have utterly loved this season of Fortnite. It's been so good. And I I haven't gone back and played it again because I'm fickle and I bounce between things so often. But I want to. I know that the end of this season is coming up, so I need to get back in there. There's no way, no way I'll be able to finish it. But I like playing it and like you told me before earlier this week there's a halloween there's a halloween event on it now where oh, yeah. you can come back after you're killed and still fight people as a shade which sounds really really cool and as you guys know and as you know when you told me i love halloween events so that uh that one makes me happy too yeah so basically just for like a week and a half here there's a completely alternate win condition where if you get killed or if you get knocked out, eliminated, you turn into a shade, you come back, like you said. But what happens is regardless of what game mode you're in, all of the shades are on a team together. So even if you're in a single player game where everybody is like a free for all, um, as soon as you get knocked out and you come back as a shade, you're on a team with 20 people or 50 people or however many people have gotten knocked out that haven't been eliminated yet. And so it's not just about being the last player standing to get a victory royale. That's one of the win conditions. If you are a ghost and you're still alive and all of the ghosts manage to take out all of the main characters that have not become ghosts, you get a nightmare royale and you get to win that way. So it's been really <laughs> fun this week. And so every every one of the shades wins that yes. way. Yes. Yep, exactly. Okay. So it counts. That's that's really cool. Like I didn't know if it went down to the one of the shades. I'm like that could get annoying. No. But if it's everybody just eliminating the uh, the living, like that sounds really cool. That's exactly what it is. So yeah, I I did a bunch this week. I have other stuff too, but I'll keep them for next week. But yeah, like Dungeons and Dragons board game, Genshin Impact, Fortnite, Marvel season. They've all been super fun, and I feel like I'm kind of getting to the point, like you know, getting Genshin Impact off the list uh, or out of the, like the normal rotation. I need to do a couple more runs in Hades to see the credits, but like 
games are going to start coming out next week you know like watchdogs legion legion i think i'm picking that up and then we're into november and then we're into new consoles new games new everything for the next like month and a half so i'm kind of trying to wrap some of these things up so that i'm in a good mental spot to dive into all the new stuff I'm not sure how you feel about Cyberpunk, but I'm not sure if you heard, because I know you were busy today, that they did delay Cyberpunk 2077 again. Uh, it's been delayed into December right now, but I'm expecting that to be a, uh, I expect that to be pushed back even even more. So that's one less to worry about early on, which I'm actually happy about because of everything starting to come out and the new consoles and all of that. Uh, it's going to be... Um, really hard to keep up with everything so i'm excited for cyberpunk but it has been delayed so anybody who's listening to this and you didn't know it i'm sorry yeah that's okay it'll still be out i think it'll there's so many releases coming out we're not going to be struggling to find something to play it'll be fine that's probably it for this week you guys can write to us with comments suggestions questions please questions questions for the q a uh, episode would be fantastic our email address is geek to geekcast at gmail.com we'll get the questions there or you can reach us on twitter at geek to geekcast we will also pull questions from there or you can reach either of us individually on twitter and any of those places we will grab the questions and throw them into our document uh we also have some great discussions on slack and discord uh you can go to geek to geekmedia.com for invite links while you're there make sure to check out all the other content on the network we've got blogs and video game reviews and we also have our digital magazine press start i blog at agreenmushroom.com you can find me at grn mushroom that's green mushroom without the ease on twitter i'm also on the disney forever podcast where we watch and react to a different disney movie every week and I'm on Twitter as that Professor Beege. That's Beege with two E's. And I also co-host the Dragon Quest FM podcast, a show about the Square Enix RPG series. We've been Void and Beach with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, y'all. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games. Star Wars. Beep, 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 beep. Comics. Movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu. Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu. Keanu.